Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Busting Brackets podcast. I'm Connor Hope with my co-host, Brian Ralph, and we are joined by Tristan Freeman and Anthony Brown to get into the brackets that were just released yesterday uh, as part of the selection show. There were some surprises. There were quite a few snubs. Um, Tristan, which team included in the bracket surprised you the most? Uh, I have to say St. John's. Uh, the metrics does not look hasn't looked well for them. There are times where they've looked just quite frankly awful, and their marquee wins of uh, Marquette and Villanova sort of lost a little bit of its uh, sort of lost a little bit after they've lost recently. And I think what it came down to is they got enough wins. Uh, the VCU win looked better and better for them early on, and I think. They were just lucky enough to barely slide in, and uh, good thing there was another biz dealer for them. Yeah, Anthony, St. John's, Arizona State are probably going to be the two most, I guess, controversial uh, inclusions in this year's tournament. I think they're going to be the two teams that everyone points to as undeserving of a bid. Which teams do you think had the better resumes or, or may have had a better resume that got snubbed from, from the tournament this year? Um, I think, uh, well, could you ask the question again? Sorry. Which, which teams do you think got snubbed from the tournament this year? Um, um, I would have to say, uh, um, Indiana was one, but they were up and down the entire. They were up and down the entire season. They had good wins. They had some bad wins. Their resume was questionable. But in the Big Ten, I feel like Indiana may have been deserving to be in the tournament, but that could be debatable depending because of there were so, there were so many better teams coming out of the Big Ten. So I would say Indiana was one. As far as another, um, I think uh, I would have to say actually, you know what? I think Indiana was the one that I have in mind. Yeah, I think it, Indiana, NC State fans, maybe UNC Greensboro, the only fans that I can see reasonably saying they deserved to be in. I don't think that TCU or Texas not making it or Clemson was that that big a surprise. Uh, TCU maybe more so than the other two, but Brian, we're here. It's mm -hmm. finally time for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> did the selection committee get the four number one seeds correct? They did. And I think they got them correct in the order in which they did it, giving Duke the number one overall and then Virginia, UNC, and then Gonzaga. Gonzaga was in line for that number one overall seed if they had lost to St. Mary's. I think we saw that the committee at least values St. Mary's a decent amount to put them on the 11 line. But that still dropped Gonzaga down three slots. Uh, I think Tennessee may have gotten that if Tennessee would have won today or uh, Sunday against, uh, against Auburn, but losing that game, I think locked up Gonzaga as that last one seed. Uh, 
for Virginia, Duke, and Gonzaga, those have really been three of the best teams all season long. I think all three were kind of destined for this. UNC, by virtue of winning the ACC regular season title or tying with Virginia, and just the way they've been playing lately, uh, secured that in my mind before the ACC tournament. Yeah, I I think that it's clear, uh, especially when it comes to Duke, that they gave teams the credit they were due for beating Duke, even though Duke didn't have uh, some of their key players. You know, Syracuse got an eight seed. UNC got the one seed. Um, and I think that you know, they also gave Duke the benefit of the doubt. So there were, they, uh, I don't want to say it's right, because there are going to be a lot of people saying, you know, injuries happen or pointing to different teams that had injuries during losses. But I think that when it comes to specifically to Duke, uh, they didn't they didn't try and and hurt anyone's resume with with Zion Williamson being out or their loss to Syracuse. Um, they they kind of evaluated Duke as it as it stands today and uh, as it should stand, I guess, going forward. So let's just jump into this bracket. Uh, it looks it looks pretty nice. Uh, I think that we can start off with the East region. Duke, obviously, the number one overall seed, is the one seed in the East. They play the playing game between NC Central and North Dakota State. I think that we can all agree that they win that one easily. VCU-UCF, for me, is an interesting matchup. I love defensive basketball games. I love basketball games in which, uh, you know, scoring doesn't necessarily come easily to everyone. Anthony, who do you think would win this game? Um, it's played in South Carolina. Who you, who do you have winning this game? Um, I think UCF is pretty tough. Um, I feel like VCU can is a viable opponent for um, UCF, but I think it'll all depend on how tough UCF plays VCU, you know, on the global scale, whether it's rebounding, fast break, you know, and those kind of things. But I don't feel like it's going to be a one-sided affair where neither team is going to blow out the other. I think it's going to be close. It may come down to the wire. Or it may be a situation where one team loses by an average of like maybe 10 or 11 points. But I do, I do feel like UCF can beat VCU. Yeah. Tristan, you said earlier you, you like this Liberty-Mississippi State matchup? Yeah, I think uh, Liberty has played a lot better than I thought they would in the first year uh, first year moving, but I think Mississippi State just has too much size. You know, I'm worried about how Liberty can handle not only uh, Mississippi State's size and athleticism, but they really, they don't have as much scoring outside of Scotty James. So as long as Bulldogs keep him in check, I think they should be able to somewhat comfortably move on, but I would not overestimate the flames just yet but i do like i do like mississippi state to advance 
Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I mean, everyone's going to start looking at that one and a couple others as 12-5 upsets, but I do agree. I think that this is not the 12-5 that you want to pick. Brian, on that 413 line uh, mm-hmm. game in San Jose, California, is Virginia Tech against St. Louis. Do you think this is a blowout, or do you think that St. Louis has kind of found their rhythm and can give Virginia Tech somewhat of a game? It's not going to be a blowout. St. Louis is might actually be the more physical team of the two, which we usually don't see whenever a, a power conference school goes up against a mid-major, albeit the A-10 being a, a very, very good mid-major. St. Louis just really struggles offensively. I think their defense will be able to keep it close. I don't know if they necessarily have what it takes to pull off an upset because it's a real struggle for them to score points at times, and they really rely on that defense. And Virginia Tech – Getting Justin Robinson back, who's missed most of the last part of the season with an injury. He's one of the, the best point guards in the ACC, and one of the better point guards in the country. I think with him back, Virginia Tech wins this one, uh, although it's pretty close for 30, 35 minutes. Great. So the number two line, the number two seed in this conference is Michigan State, uh, dealing with quite a few injuries. Mm-hmm. They play Bradley as the 15th seed in the first round. And then they have Minnesota and Louisville as the 7-10 matchup that they would play in the second round. Anthony, do you think that Michigan State is pretty comfortably moving on to the Sweet 16, or do you think that Minnesota or Louisville can kind of get it together and, and beat the Spartans in that second round matchup? Okay. Well, I do like Minnesota, even though, and I'll bring Maryland into this as well. I think I, I know Maryland beat Minnesota twice, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But I do like the way Minnesota plays. If Minnesota is able to beat Louisville, I think Minnesota would give Michigan State a run for its money. But if it's Louisville, I think Louisville can knock off Michigan State. I don't think it'll be easy, but I think Louisville would have the best chance. Yeah, it's going to be tough for sure. I think, and we can walk through this a little bit later, I think that a lot of the teams in the tournament that have had either injury issues or you know issues with big losses, killing their momentum and stuff like that, have all kind of ended up in Duke's region. So uh, obviously VCU lost Marcus Evans in their A-10 tournament. Uh, Michigan State's been dealing with injuries. Louisville hasn't looked the same really since they lost to Duke. Um, so I think this one, it, it's, and we can get into this later. I think it's it's going to be a pretty, a pretty easy region for Duke. Moving on, on the three line is LSU against the number 14 Yale squad. Tristan, you said this is a possible 14 to three upset. How can Yale get it done and pull the upset over LSU? Well, the first thing that's going to have to happen is Myoni's going to have to have a career game. You know, he's averaging 18 points and six and a half rebounds a game. He's viewed as an NBA prospect. And they have others, uh, double-digit contributors, and Alex Copeland, Blake Reynolds, Jordan Bruner. They have an underrated front line, really. And if you're LSU, who's been dealing with distractions, you won't have your head coach. You, you'll have your players, but you don't know what their mindset is. There's other seeds you would have rather seen as a 14 or 13. Look at the other 14s, you know, Old Dominion's tough, Georgia State's tough, 
But I think Yale might be the most likely of all of them to actually upset one of the top seeds in the tournament. So I don't I don't like that draw for the Tigers. I think Yale is a really good team coming out of the Ivy. Uh, it, it'll be a close one, and I would not be surprised if uh, the Bulldogs get it. Brian, you mentioned during this election show that this Belmont Temple matchup is is one that you're looking forward to. Mm. Which team would you give the edge in Dayton if you would give either team the edge in Dayton? And which team do you think has the most momentum coming in? I think Belmont probably has the most momentum. I know they lost to Murray State, and that kind of put them on the bubble, and a lot of people didn't necessarily think they would be in. I think getting in has given them life, and we've seen this happen with a couple of mid-majors who get in as at-larges whose statuses were in doubt after losing conference championship games or losing the conference tournament. We're getting in, breathes new life in them, and they start playing uh, up to their potential at a really high level because they're given this opportunity. I think we could see that with Belmont. For me, both Belmont and Temple are, are very good teams with very good guards. And guard play traditionally is one of the biggest indicators in teams that are able to pull off upsets and win a couple games in the tournament. Um, both of them have that. Both of them have experienced guard play, which takes that to the next level. Uh, and Maryland up there as the sixth seed, faced the winner of that game, is a good team, but I don't know if I trust them. Uh, Mark Turgeon has never been a good tournament coach. They're a very young team as well. I like the talent on Maryland, but – and I think we saw it in the Big Ten tournament when they lost to Nebraska. I I don't trust them to win a game like this, and especially if I, I would pick Belmont to beat Temple, and if Belmont gets that win and has a little bit more confidence going into that game and having played two days before, I think Belmont would get that win. Yeah, and Anthony, as a Maryland guy, which of those two teams in, in that play-in game makes you the most nervous if you had to choose one that you wanted would like to avoid uh who would you like for the terrapins to avoid um based on um UL's knowledge of belmont i would say belmont i mean i maryland has talent my biggest pet peeve with maryland all season has been turnovers the easiest way for any team to beat maryland is turning the turning them over. Once you turn them over, they're done. So whether it be Belmont or Temple, if they find a way to turn them over, take um, Bruno Fernando, Jalen Smith, or both of them out of the game, then they um, either Belmont or Temple would have Maryland in the bag. Awesome, awesome. So that wraps up. I think everyone can pretty much agree that that's kind of a region that was built to put Duke in the final four. Mm -hmm. Brian, why don't you walk us through the South region? I've already okay. seen people calling it the region of the boring teams. Uh, just walk us through this, this region. It's um, it sets up very well for Virginia. Let's, let's just put it that way with Virginia getting the one seed in this region. I think the committee also did them a lot of favors, maybe not to the extent they did Duke, but there's a, a lot of teams in there that ne haven't necessarily performed to expectations or maybe have underperformed, uh, got some generous seeds, so to speak. The 8-9 game is pretty interesting, though. They'll face the winner of Ole Miss and Oklahoma. Um, Tristan, do you see either Ole Miss or Oklahoma having a real advantage in that matchup? 
No, I think it's going to be a battle of Terrence Davis versus Christian James as far as their team's primary sources of offense. I think uh, Ole Miss just has a little bit more than Sooners. Uh, I think similar last year, you're just going to see Oklahoma sort of sliding down all the way out of the tournament, really. I just don't see what they have to beat Ole Miss in terms of their horses. Unless Christian James can go for nearly 25 or 30, I got the Rebels going ahead with that one. Yeah, I I agree. I think almost wins that game. Um, uh, Oklahoma has been sliding, not playing well since conference play started. Uh, Ole Miss has been a, a tough team. Probably deserves to be in this 8-9 game from the way they played this year, but I like them in that game. The 5-12 matchup, Anthony, I think is one of the more interesting ones. We have a power conference team as the 12 seed, which you don't see very often in Oregon, who yeah. won the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, and then the 5 seed, Wisconsin, yeah, a lot of people think are vulnerable. Do you see that classic 5-12 upset in this game, or do you think Wisconsin hold, holds firm? Um, I like hmm, – let me see. I like Wisconsin to beat Oregon, I think. But I, I really feel like it will depend on how Oregon plays Ethan Happ, whether they double-team him, whether they go out in zone and – how Oregon's offense decides to play Wisconsin's defense. But I do think Wisconsin can beat Oregon, um, even though Oregon pretty much, you know, even though they're a toll seed, they are a pretty solid team. Yeah. And they're joined by a couple other West Coast teams in this region in UC Irvine and St. Mary's. UC Irvine's the 13 seed going up against Kansas State, who's the four. And then the lower part of the region, St. Mary's is the 11, going up against the defending national champions, Villanova, number six. Connor, I want to talk to you about both these games because I know you follow West Coast basketball very closely, our West Coast correspondent, so to speak. Do either UC Irvine or St. Mary's have a, a legitimate chance to upset either Kansas State or Villanova in these games? For me, if, if one of them makes the upset, I actually think that it's going to be UC Irvine. Um, UC Irvine is a very solid defensive team. Kansas State is not the best offensive team. So right there, it, it's probably going to be a low-scoring game. If Max Hazard and, and Evan Leonard can get going um, from, the, from the floor, UC Irvine could, could pull this upset. They are not a small team, which is an issue that you see a lot with mid-majors. You know, Colin Welp's 6'9", Jonathan Galloway's 6'10", Tommy Rutherford 6'8". So they match up. I mean, they're, they're match up well uh, size-wise with Kansas State. They Their offense is one of the more consistent, I would say. It's not fantastic, but it's never terrible. Um, for me, St. Mary's, they had the one great game against Gonzaga, but there's just there's a lot about St. Mary's that you don't love. And if if Phil Booth or Eric Pascal or, or anyone like that um, gets going against St. Mary's, which is something that Gonzaga wasn't able to do in the in the championship game of the WCC, I think that Nova is probably going to dispatch the Gales relatively easily. I don't think it's a good draw. The only thing that you might see, um, you know, with that is. <laughs> If St. Mary's can get them to turn the ball over uh, early, they could pull it. But location-wise, too, is is going to play a big factor. I St. Mary's plays well in California, but the moment they leave, the moment they they have to travel, they're not 
not a fantastic basketball team. So the fact that this game is played in Connecticut is, is going to benefit Nova. Uh, that's another thing that plays into UC Irvine's favor is that UC Irvine, obviously it's just a five hour drive to San Jose. So they're going to get a lot more of those fans at the game that mid-majors tend not to get if they're not playing close to home. Yeah. The game right below that, the three-seed Purdue going up against the 14-seed Old Dominion, which is also going to be in Hartford, doesn't really give any of those teams a particular geographical location. I think there's a potential upset here with Old Dominion knocking off Purdue. Old Dominion won both Conference USA regular season and tournament championships. Purdue struggling a little bit down the stretch here. Tristan, do you agree with me? Do you foresee an upset in this game, or do you think Purdue – will win. And if you like Purdue, how far do you think they can go? Uh, Purdue will go as far as Carson Edwards takes them. I mean, we've, we've seen them literally in games where he shot them out and we've seen them in games where he shot them in to upsets. Uh, Old Dominion is a team that should be taken very seriously. They've won, they won conference USA regular season. They have a couple of senior guards and I, and I always look for, you know, senior playmakers in the tournament and BJ Stiff and Ahmad Caver, who both can not only shoot it, but pretty good uh, passers and rebounders in their own right. And there's nothing besides Edwards from Purdue that Old Dominion should be afraid of. So I think this one should be a close game. Whether uh, the Monarchs can get the upset, that remains to be seen. But as far as 14 seeds go, this is a very dangerous one. Purdue should take them very seriously. The game, I think, that might be the one that's chalked up to the boring bracket, I think fits that fits that mold probably the best in this region, might be the Cincinnati-Iowa game, that 7-10 game. Cincinnati, we all know, very uh, defensively focused team, has struggled offensively at times. Uh, Iowa has completely fallen apart down the stretch, Anthony. But they're still a, a decent team who has picked up some good wins this year. Do you think Iowa can knock off Cincinnati um, or Cincinnati kind of team that is going to roll in this game? I don't think Iowa can knock off Cincinnati. Like you said, I think Cincinnati is pretty um, defensive oriented. They have um, shooters. They have good um, guard play. But I don't think Iowa has the um, firepower, even with Jordan Bohannon, um, to knock off Cincinnati the way they would like to. So I feel like this Cincinnati-Iowa matchup, it's not going to be a root, but Cincinnati is going to handle Iowa pretty pretty well. Yeah, I think the same thing is going to happen in that 2-15 game. Obviously, Colgate's a good team as a 15 seed, but Tennessee as the two, just too strong. They, they don't play that terrible game, or they have yet to play that terrible game. This year, I don't think they're going to start doing that against Colgate. Now, the the third one seed in the in the Midwest, the third one seed from the ACC, was North Carolina. There's a lot of talk about the ACC potentially getting three one seeds. Ended up getting the top three overall seed, the top three overall seeds. Uh, Anthony, was that a surprise for you, or was that kind of the way you saw it? The ACC is strong. Um, North Carolina, Virginia, and Duke, they're clearly the upper echelon of college basketball right now. So it wasn't a surprise to me at all. Um, I feel like 
at least out of the three ACC teams, at least two can make the final four. Um, I believe I feel like North Carolina could be the outlier. I know definitely Duke and Virginia possibly could go, but I think you know um, North Carolina, for example, with their matchup against Iona, that's not going to be an upset. I think North Carolina has the wherewithal to make an elite eight, um, but I think overall the um, ACC was kind of expected with the way um, they fared in the NCAA tournament bracketology. Yeah, I think UNC, uh, whether or not you think they make the Final Four or not, I think we can all agree they're probably going to beat Iona in that first game. And in the 215 game, I, although Abilene Christian is a great story, or in the NCAA tournament for the first time ever, I think we can all agree Kentucky is probably going to beat them. Tristan, I know you see maybe not a potential upset, but a, a game that's closer than a lot of people think it might be in that 314 game with Houston and Georgia State. Why do you think Georgia State could give Houston a run? Yeah, you know, uh, if I'm three seeds, I'm not happy about who the 14 seeds are. I'd argue that the 14 seeds are all stronger than the 13 ones. Uh, as When it comes to Georgia State, you have a team and a coach who's used to the big dance. Ron Hunter, I'm sure everybody remembers him for his uh, famous situation with the chair and broken leg. But they have a guy in Demarcus Simmons who is back-to-back Sunbelt Player of the Year, 20-point game score. A phenomenal athlete, NBA prospect, and they have a, uh, some seniors in Malik uh, Benelev and Jeff Thomas who I think can match up pretty well against uh, against uh, Houston. I think Houston's not a big team by any means, but they're very athletic. I respect what they've done in the AAC, but I do wonder, you know, what happens when they make it to the big dance. I think if you're Georgia State, you couldn't have probably asked for a better matchup compared to what the other three seats could have been. So uh, this is one where I have on my radar where I think we could possibly see some upset. Connor, uh, I've been saying for a while that I think Kansas is likely to get upset early in the tournament, whether it be the first round or the second round. They got the fourth seed in this region going up against Northeastern. Can Northeastern pull that upset, or is Kansas pretty safe, at least in the opening round? I think Kansas is pretty safe, at least in the opening round. Um, I think part of it is I think Kansas is a better team. I also think Kansas is going to travel better. I'm not necessarily predicting that a lot of Northeastern fans are going to be in Salt Lake. (laughs) But I will say this. I think that either team coming out of that other game in Salt Lake could beat them in the second round. So they're not a second week out, second weekend lock by any means, but I think that getting out of the first round, the Jayhawks are pretty safe. Well, speak of, of that other game, the five seed Auburn, twelve seed New Mexico. I'll pass it to you again. Here, is this a five twelve game? I know you've been been high in Mexico State uh, as a program specifically. Can they win this game, even though Auburn is red hot? If Auburn stays red hot. I think it's going to be a 7 to 12 point game in Auburn's favor where New Mexico State they need a hope that Auburn start stops making threes. If Auburn has to, you know, beat them um without shooting hot from 3, I think that New Mexico State has a chance, but I think I'm not necessarily liking New Mexico State's draw. I think they would match up much better with, you know, Wisconsin or Marquette as as a 5 seed, but yeah, I, I definitely think that New Mexico State uh, 
can pull the upset. It's just a matter. I think it's more reliant on how well Auburn plays as opposed to how well the Aggies play. Yeah, and Auburn, very streaky. When their three is falling, their three-point shots are falling, they can run through the SEC tournament and blow out Tennessee in the final. But, of course, when that's not, they can lose to a team like South Carolina fairly easily. Iowa State's been another team like that, the sixth seed, who's been a little bit inconsistent this year, but come into the tournament red hot after winning the Big 12 tournament, knocking off Kansas in that conference championship game, have an 11 seed in Ohio State who uh, was one of the the last four buys, I would assume, so to speak. Anthony, do you think Iowa State gets by this, uh, or do you think Ohio State, given this new life of being in the tournament now for sure and off the bubble, do you think that propels them to an upset? I'd like to see Ohio State beat Iowa State. I would like to see them come out and face either um, a Houston or Georgia State. I think if they do come out and beat Iowa State, um, I think Houston would ultimately beat Ohio State. Um, but for the most part, I do feel like Iowa State will beat Ohio State. Um, in my heart of hearts, I want Big Ten pride. I want Ohio State to beat Iowa State, but I, Iowa State's too good. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. But that leads us into uh, one of the more intriguing games of the entire first round, in my opinion, the seven-seed Wofford against 10-seed Seton Hall. I liked both of these teams to win a game or two in the tournament, but obviously that can't happen with them playing each other. I'm kind of mad at the committee about that. Uh, but, Trishan, uh, break down this matchup for us. Who do you think has the edge here? I mean, these are two really similar teams who both rely on a, a star player. You have Miles Powell, one of the best scorers in the country for the Pirates, versus Fletcher McGee, one of the best mid-major players that people might not know of from the Terriers. But I think uh, if you want to look at who's going to win this game, you're going to have to look at the – Role, role players beside them. Cameron Jackson and Nathan Hoover are two very talented players for Wofford. And if you look at Seton Hall, you know, they look the best when you have Quincy McKnight and Miles Kale uh, provide consistent scoring on offense whenever Powell can't get it going. So I think whichever, you know, group of role players, you know, shows up more, assuming that McGee and Powell both have around 20 in the game, I think they'll have the edge, but this is going to be one of the more evenly matched games in the first round. I agree. I think it's going to go down to Powell's versus McGee, or Powell versus McGee, and it's going to be extremely fun to watch. Connor, we'll wrap up this region with you and let you take us over to the West. Bit of a West Coast flavor in this 8-9 matchup with Utah State going up against Washington. Washington really fading right now. Utah State coming off Mountain West tournament title. Who do you like in this matchup? I absolutely love the Utah State Aggies in this matchup. I Both teams are really good defensive basketball teams. Uh, Washington is 30th in points per game. Utah State, I believe, is in the top 75. So they're, they're still a really good defensive team. But Utah State is just a better offensive team. Washington, they have Jalen Noel. They have David Crisp and Noah Dickerson. But they really only have six players that can score. Utah State runs seven, eight deep when it comes to scoring. 
they are the hotter team. I think Washington, especially these last three weeks, have been, you know, in a free fall in terms of their momentum. They just can't seem to pick up any momentum. And Utah State has all the all the momentum right now. So Sam Merrill versus Jalen Noel, I would pick Sam Merrill in that matchup. I think that Utah State is a better team on the interior than Washington is. So when all is considered, Washington is going to have to shoot a lot of threes to beat Utah State, and I'm not necessarily sure they're consistent enough offensively to get all those open looks against a really good defensive Aggies team. So moving over to the West, uh, this is going to be a region that I think everyone is going to point to as the region of death. You've got Gonzaga, Florida State, Texas Tech, Michigan as, as the top four seeds. Marquette, Buffalo, and Nevada are also in there. Obviously, Syracuse is always a tough team to beat in the tournament. Tristan, in that top uh, four in, in Salt Lake, Gonzaga probably gets the win over the 16. Do you think Gonzaga is a lock for the Sweet 16, or can Syracuse or Baylor win that first round game and then upset the Zags in the second round? You know, I think they got too too much firepower for Baylor. And uh, when it comes to Syracuse, it's a good thing they play Washington, who utilizes the 2-3 zone as well. So there, there's a set of familiar, familiarity to it. And it'll be a nice, and if they do play it orange, it'll be a nice revenge game for Josh Perkins, who really struggled against it when he was a freshman a few years ago. But uh, I think the problem that Syracuse and Baylor has is they don't dictate the tempo enough to stop the Zags from scoring. And I think uh, St. Mary's showed the recipe for, hey, if you slow it down to a complete halt and throw them off, you have a real good chance of stopping them, which, you know, a couple other teams in this region can do so. As far as, you know, possible round of 32 matchup, I don't see either of them really having the horsepower to beat the Zags. Right, right. Anthony, looking at this Michigan-Montana game, obviously they played each other in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. Do you think that Montana has what it takes to upset the Wolverines, or do you think this is kind of a cakewalk into the round of 32? Um, I don't think it's a cakewalk. I would be interested to see how Montana would play Michigan as far as um, Jordan Poole, um, Xavier Simpson. Down low, um, Ignis Rostakis is a pretty good player. He's played well all season for Michigan. Um, but I feel like if Montana can find a way to stop uh, either Xavier Sisson or Jordan Poole, they'll be in the clear. They could get a, you know, five to six point win out of the deal. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then Michigan wins. Yeah. And playing the Wolverines or Montana in the second round would be the winner of this Nevada-Florida matchup. Nevada obviously kind of faded towards the end of the year, picked up a couple bad losses, uh, couldn't get it done against San Diego State in the Mountain West tournament. And Florida may have played themselves off the bubble and you know into a clear lock for the tournament. Tristan, do you think that Nevada wins this game or do you think that Florida is hot enough to upset this Nevada team? Uh. 
It, it really depends on how Nevada starts out this game. That's been, you know, the theme for them all season. Whenever they get off the good starts, there's a few teams in the country that has the offense to keep up with them. But the problem with the Wolfpack the whole, this whole year has been, you know, they struggle shooting from the field, allowing teams to stay with them. And unless the shot comes, it you know, it doesn't work. And for a team like Florida, who doesn't have much offense at all, they only have one player on the season scoring in double figures, their goal is just to keep it close for a while. And when you have talented players like Kevon Allen, Noah Locke, and then even, you know, Jalen Hudson, who's quietly come back to form a little bit in the last few games, I think Florida has a real shot. I think if you're in Nevada, you want to put this game away early and allow yourselves to dictate the game. But I would be really concerned if I was Nevada. I don't think they've they haven't looked as great, but they still have three great seniors in the Martin Twins and Jordan Caroline. And Muscleman has shown that he can be a quality coach. So I wouldn't put it. I think Nevada could possibly make a deep running tournament despite their seat line, or they could just bow out quietly. Anthony, the most controversial matchup this this tournament is probably going to be this first four game between Arizona State and San, and St. John's. Neither team was a popular uh, pick to make the tournament uh, entering Selection Sunday. Do you think who do you think wins this game, and do you think either of those teams can beat Buffalo, or is Buffalo that much better than Arizona State and St. John's? Um, I like to think um, St. John's would be the better matchup um, for Buffalo against Arizona State, um, but I'd have to actually see I'd have to actually see the matchup to get a better indication as to how Buffalo would really play one of these teams. Because yes, Buffalo is good. They have a good record. But I, if I had to choose one, you know, just based off of um, their seeding, since they're both 11 seeds, I'd go with um, St. John's. Yeah, and playing the, that winner of that game would be the winner of Northern Kentucky and Texas Tech. Tristan, this Texas Tech team has been – really good for most of the season, uh, kind of surprisingly to a lot of people. Can Northern Kentucky even give them a run, or do you think that Texas Tech is just too strong with Jared Culver to to really worry about this first-round matchup? Yeah, I actually think the problem for Northern Kentucky isn't even Jared Culver. It's actually going to be Tariq Owens because I think he's the perfect kind of matchup for the star player for the Norse and Drew McDonald. Uh, if Drew McDonald cannot get it going for Northern Kentucky and have a huge game, they don't have a shot. And Texas Tech has a, you know, has one of the best defenders in the country. So as long as Owens does his job, or even Norian's Odiasi can can guard him too, I just I just think from a matchup standpoint, it's really the Red Raiders in what shouldn't even be a close game. Yeah. Um, moving to the that last the last two games in Hartford. You've got Marquette at a number five seed against Murray State, uh, Howard against Morant. Anthony, who do you like in this matchup? Is this a possible 12-5 upset, or do you think that Marquette has one of its better days against Murray State? Um, 
I think for Murray State, John Morant, John Morant is their leader. Murray State can go as far as um, John Morant can go, much like James Palmer Jr. in Nebraska. So I think, you know, Murray State can upset um, their matchup and uh, move on to the next round. It, it will just depend on how um, John Morant is played defensively and if that team can take away what he does best. Tristan, playing the winner of that game would be the winner of Florida State versus Vermont. Tough draw for Vermont to have to play a team that's as athletic, as big as Florida State. Who do you think – I don't want to say who do you like in this matchup, but do you think that Vermont can slow Florida State down at all? Uh, I I sincerely doubt that can happen. I think the best thing that they can do is really just uh, hope that their offense can just explode. Uh, They have a guy, Anthony Lamb, who could be a slight mismatch for Florida State. They might have to deal with him a bit. He averages nearly 22 points a game. And then you have the Duncan brothers. All all of them play a a role for a catamounts. And we've seen before, Vermont can – is not afraid of high majors. I think uh, for Florida State, they just have to worry that their shots don't fall. Sometimes, you know, they become either a little too shot happy or then there's other times they have some confusing rotations with certain guys not playing. I think Kamigeli uh, is just someone who Vermont has no shot with. And as long as, you know, David Nichols and other guards perform up to what they've done so far lately, shouldn't be too shouldn't be too difficult for them so that wraps up each region they i think we can all agree the south region is probably going to be the region that people don't tune into as much they they just have some slower playing teams uh duke has an easy region unc's region is going to be very interesting to see it play out the west i think is and as it should be really for the fourth overall number one seed is the region of death. There's a lot of teams, uh, one through really one through seven that could win that region. When it comes to first round matchups, which matchup are you guys most looking forward to, uh, in that first, in the first round out off outside the, the eight, nine, seven, 10 matchups. So not the obvious close matchups, you know, from of a six seed or, or higher, which matchup are you most looking forward to? I'll go first. I think uh, the Oregon-Wisconsin game, that's dear, That's not your tra- traditional 12 over 5. I think Oregon has been playing a lot better lately. And uh, based on how they play, they actually could have made them could have gotten themselves an actual uh, – made themselves a case in terms of an at-large bid without needing the auto bid. So I like them. Uh, St. Mary's, you know, they, they showed that they have the potential to beat juggernauts. And then you look at a team like St. Louis, you know, they were the preseason favor in A-10, didn't look that well throughout, had a sixth seed in the conference tournament and won. They're, they're, they're a team that has the high major transfers in the athleticism to give Virginia Tech, who's a smaller team, fits. And for me, I'm looking at right now um, the Louisville and Minnesota matchup. Um, 
And also the seven to 10 matchup was Cincinnati and Iowa. Um, I think Minnes, I would be interested to see how um, Richard Patino is going to play Louisville. Um, I think Louisville ultimately wins that game and comes out of that um, round to play Michigan State. I don't feel like Bradley will upset Michigan State. Um, and then in the other matchup, um, Cincinnati and Iowa. Um, I think I believe I said this earlier. Cincinnati is a um, good defensive team. They do have shooters. Um, Iowa does too, but I don't think they have the defensive, you know, prowess to um, contain Cincinnati the way they should and need to to move on to the next round. But I'll be interested to see those two. Um, how those two matchups play out. Yeah, I agree with Tristan. I think that Wisconsin-Oregon matchup, I mean, when it came on the board, I immediately thought it was going to be an upset. Uh, I actually like both those matchups in that kind of pod. I, I really like the Kansas State-UCI matchup as well. I think that for as well as UCI plays defense and as poorly as Kansas State can play offense at times, I think that there's a huge opportunity for an upset. And I think that location also doesn't benefit Wisconsin or Kansas State in these matchups. So you could see, and, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, I, I think one team wins and then the other team gets upset, but you could reasonably see a 12-13 matchup in the second round in that pod. I think that neither team was done any favors by the committee. Um so outside of that, obviously last year we saw the first 16 over one upset. So we know that it can happen. Of these teams on the 16 and 15 lines, which team do you think has the best chance to win their first game? Not including the first four. So they've so for any 16 seed that would have come out of Dayton, which team do you think has the best opportunity to upset uh, a one or a two seed? Uh, I, I point directly to Montana over Michigan. Uh, you know, I like Michigan a lot, but they have the ability to go on offensive droughts, and that can be that can be deadly in the tournament. And you look at Montana, who has senior leadership, has great guards led by Amart Mori, have a great coach. I think uh, they'll give they'll probably give the toughest fight of all of them. And I wouldn't be. And I'm not going to say that it's even going to be close to an upset, but don't be surprised if Gardner Webb gives Virginia a tougher fight than expected. I think uh, they have they have a capable player uh, in David Effiani who averages 19 a game, and they also have Jose Perez, a quality freshman who averages 15 a game themselves. They have the scoring to keep up and. You know, Virginia is a type of team where if you can get a lead on them, you can make them nervous. And, you know, even without Hunter, that disaster has to be in the back of their head. And best thing you can do is make a team like that nervous. Um, I agree with Tristan with the uh, Montana-Michigan matchup. Um, I think one thing that Michigan does well is they're very good when it comes to Pushing the ball down, uh, pushing the ball down the court. Excuse me, on the fast break. So I'll be interested to see how Montana um, can play them defensively and how 
you know, they try to, I guess, stifle their um, offensive efficiency. And as I said before, it's like if you can, if Montana is able to take away either Jordan Poole or Xavier Simpson, then I don't feel like um, Ignis Brostakis or John Teske going off in the game will affect how Montana decides to play. Because with Michigan, I think their guards are, you know, the heart of their offense rather than their big men. Right. And I definitely agree. I think that Montana-Michigan game is probably the most likely spot for an upset. I don't think that any of the one or two seeds loses in the first round. I'd be interested to see this Iona-UNC game. I think UNC is clearly the better team and, and, and should walk away with that. But Iona isn't a poor offensive team. And if UNC goes on any droughts, I think Iona will be there to kind of push them. Uh, I still think it's a double-digit win for UNC. I'm not going to say that Iona is even close to a team that can pull the upset, but they're a team, I think they're the team in that 16-15 seed lines that'll probably score the most points against their opponent, um, which, as you know, if if UNC can't get the lid off the basket, can be, can be an issue. Um, so looking at these brackets... It, Overall impressions, Tristan, how did the committee do uh, this this time around? I thought they did fantastic. I think uh, we all were nervous about what they would do with uh, Texas and Indiana when it comes to their at-large bids. And also, I'm, I'm happy that they left out NC State. They had a really high net ranking, and I think we all were focusing to see how much that would come into play. But I think what it came down to is their last non-conference strength of schedule. They've shown in the past that they will heavily punish teams, particularly power conference teams who don't schedule out of conference. And I think this year uh, was was pretty standard for them. Uh, as far as Seton goes, I think, you know, they they stayed true to form with uh, Gonzaga, <clears throat> Gonzaga getting a one seed, but also gave them the region of death. And then when you look at some of the other mid-majors, uh, like Wofford, Buffalo, Nevada, I think they were seeded pretty fairly. So really there's not much complaints. I think this is one of the best years they've had in recent memory, and I think uh, some standards uh, continue to be set when it comes to how they view bubble teams. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah, Brian, if uh, as Tristan said, I think that really if the only complaint is that one particular mid-major team didn't make the tournament, they treated mid-majors fairly enough to the point where I don't think that mid-major fans really have any complaints. Would you agree? No, I, I agree. Uh, and really, there was no team with a resume on the bubble that got left out who you could really take up a, a strong argument for. You, you could want another team to get in and value another team maybe more than another from a personal preference standpoint. But from a pure resume perspective, there was, wasn't that team who was sitting out there or who's now outside the tournament field that you're campaigning for. I mean, maybe it's Indiana because of the number of quadrant one wins they have, but they also lost 12 games in a 13 game stretch. Like, so there, there's all that stuff to balance it out. And I, I think with the mid major specifically seeing UNC Greensboro as that last team out, 
for that committee, the team that Oregon pushed out by beating Washington last night, um, Saturday night in the Pac-12 championship game, I think showed the fact that the committee was really valuing the just number of wins and, and eye test performances of these been majors uh, and giving them a fair shot. Yeah. Anthony, what were your overall impressions as the bracket was revealed? Um, my overall impressions of, of it were I liked, I really liked the South region. I think the South region is going to give you some really good games. As far as the East region goes, that's an easy path. That's an easy path. Path, excuse me, for Duke. Um, but as far as uh, the West and Midwest, I feel like hmm, I would say that Gonzaga, out of Gonzaga and North Carolina, I feel like Gonzaga may not have the easiest route to get deep in the tournament because they have to go up against, they would either have to go up against Syracuse or Baylor. If Syracuse beats Baylor, I think Gonzaga would get, you know, a good run for their money out of Syracuse. Um, but overall, I really like what the, what the committee did um, this year with the NCAA tournament brackets. Yeah, I would say it's between Gonzaga and UNC for the toughest route to the final four. Gonzaga probably has the tougher teams, uh, but I think that UNC definitely has the tougher in terms of locational preference. Um, Kansas, playing Kansas and Kansas City wouldn't be an easy matchup. Playing uh, Iowa State or Kentucky and Kansas City wouldn't be an easy matchup for UNC, whereas Gonzaga, once they get into the Sweet 16 Elite Eight matchups, outside of Nevada, there's not really a team that would have a, a close you know, location to them, to Anaheim, um, which makes their route a little bit easier in terms of just pure fan presence. I think that in Anaheim, Gonzaga probably will have not necessarily a home court advantage like they do in their conference tournament, but their fans will show up at the level or more so than every other team in that in that region where UNC heading to Kansas City might not have more fans than Kansas if they were to play in the Sweet 16. So for for the uh, for each region, um, who do you like as the team to come out into the Final Four, and who do you like as a double digit seed to make a run within the region? Starting with the West, uh, I'll start off. I like Gonzaga still to come out of the West, and as a as far as a double digit seed to make a run. I think that the only double digit seed that I think could make a run is that Murray state team. Uh, Brian. Yeah, I agree. Murray state's in the best position of those double digit seeds to make a run. Uh, I like Texas tech to come out of the West. Honestly, um, Gonzaga having to go up against two. Should they, if they go to the elite eight, as I think they will, we'll have to face two extremely tough defensive teams in a row in Florida state and Texas tech. I think that'll wear on them to the point where Texas Tech wins that game uh, and advances to the Final Four. Tristan, I, I love them. I'm, I like uh, Texas Tech to get past Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Uh, I think as far as double digit seed, uh, I, I don't know. I think Florida would be the one that's the best bet. 
Yeah, Florida's definitely uh, definitely up there. They were my my second team that I was looking at. Anthony, who do you have coming out of the West, and which double digit seed do you think could make a little bit of a run? Um, I like Gonzaga to go all the way, come out of the West, and um, I really just because I don't, I feel like Montana could give Michigan a run for their money. I I'll say Montana, um, but in an upset in the in that region, I think Vermont could give Florida State a run for their money as well. But um, again, for the double digits, he did make a run. I have to go with Montana, but Gonzaga is definitely going to come out. All right, so we're split. Montana, uh, Gonzaga and Texas Tech, I think that would be my Elite Eight matchup. So yeah, for me, I think it, it'll be a, a really good game if that were to happen. Moving to the Midwest, my team to come out of the Midwest, I think that they're playing well. Uh, they did lose to Tennessee, but it wasn't necessarily uh, a huge loss. Um, and I think that they, Coach Calipari is going to have them in the right position to win. I like Kentucky to come out of the Midwest. I think that location, location may play a big part in why I think Kentucky comes out of the Midwest. Um and I think that they're really close to UNC in terms of talent. So I like them. As far as double-digit seeds to make a run, I'd probably go Seton Hall by virtue of the fact that they're a 10 seed, and I think they should be a little bit higher, maybe a 9, nine seed. But Seton Hall and New Mexico State are the two that I think are double-digit seeds that could make a little bit of a run. Tristan, who do you have? Uh, I, I really like Georgia State's pod. I think they have a really good shot of making a Sweet 16. And as far as the Elite Eight matchup, I have Kentucky going up against Auburn with uh, the Auburn Tigers making a surprising run to the Final Four. I just, I like how they're playing. I think they've always had the pieces to do it, and they're starting to actually show it. Uh, I think from a matchup standpoint with North Carolina, I think they can keep up with them offensively. They have the bodies. And I think, you know, at times, you know, the Tar Heels, they can struggle on defense. So, I actually would pick the Auburn Tigers to make the final four. Brian, are you gonna follow that up with an, another upset special, or are you gonna? You gonna no, stick with I, I can go. I I hate it, but I'm going chalk with UNC over Kentucky in the Elite Eight to make the final four. I get what you're saying, Tristan, about Auburn, uh, but North Carolina loves to play fast as well, and I think North Carolina has a better team and more talent. You're not going to beat them playing that way unless Auburn, you know, makes all of their threes, which is certainly a real possibility given what we saw from them this week. In terms of double-digit seed, I love Seton Hall's potential if they were not going up against Kentucky in that second round. I, I thought Seton Hall had could make a run. I think they'll beat Wofford. Uh, I still think they're the most likely. Uh, they already beat Kentucky once this season earlier on in Madison Square Garden. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if that happens again. I like Northeastern to beat Kansas. New Mexico State can certainly beat Auburn, but I would pick Auburn to win that game. Um, again, I don't think any of these double-digit seeds are going very far, but if one of them does, it will be Seton Hall. Anthony. Um, I like North Carolina and Auburn to come out. Um, as far as the double-digit seeds, I, I feel like um, Georgia State could be one. I think they'll give Houston a run for their money. And um, Georgia State, you know, has had good tournament success in the past. Um, so I, I do like Georgia State. 
Seton Hall. Um, I think they can beat Wofford, um, but not Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, I will probably give them maybe a 10, 15 point loss. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking um, I'm really like North Carolina and Auburn to come out. Great. Moving on to the South region, as much as I want to say that it's not going to be a chalk, I still I have to put Virginia into the Final Four. I don't really see a team in this region other than Tennessee that could give Virginia a full 40 minutes of a close game. So I have to go with the Cavs coming out of the South region. As far as double-digit seeds, I think Oregon or UCI, either one of them could easily be and, – and I would I would actually probably say that one of them is going to be in the Sweet 16. I, I don't think Wisconsin or Kansas State are strong enough to to win those two games in a row against a hot Oregon State team or a UCI team that's just really good defensively and really good in, on the interior. Anthony, who do you have coming out? Which double-digit seed? Um, for the South, I like uh, Virginia. Uh, um, I really, I don't think, I think Oregon has the firepower to go at least to the um, Sweet 16. I'm not sure about the Elite Eight. Um, and as far as another um, double-digit seed, I'd be interested to see what um, St. Mary's does if they somehow can beat Villanova. I don't think that'll happen, but it is possible. It's the NCAA tournament. So, Brian, what about you? I'm going chalk again, even though I hate going chalk. I, I think the top tier of teams just kind of separated themselves from everybody else. I think we'll see Virginia beat Tennessee. In the elite eight, but I do think there's going to be a large number of upsets here. I think Oregon beats Wisconsin. I think UC Irvine beats Kansas State because Dean Wade's not 100% healthy, which would, as you mentioned, Connor, put either Oregon or UC Irvine into the Sweet 16. I would go with Oregon right now, making them the most likely to make a long run. But I have Old Dominion beating Purdue as well. I don't think they would beat Villanova, should that happen, but it would be a very close game. So I would, I would either go with Oregon or Old Dominion. And Tristan. I think you can make a real legit argument that the 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 seeds could all win their first round matchup. I think this is going to be the region where you see a lot of upsets. Uh, I have my lead eight matchup. I have Virginia going up against Villanova. I think uh, the Wildcats, you know, with their postseason experience, I think Phil Booth is going to show that he really, he wasn't one of the leftovers from last year's team that he's, can be a star in his own right. And I think that they match up well against Tennessee uh, if, if they meet in the Sweet 16. So I got uh, UVA going to the Final Four and a nail-biter over Villanova. Yeah, I, I think just because we said that there are going to be a lot of upsets, this is going to be the most chalk region, and that's just how, how it works. <laughs> um, so moving on to the East, uh, obviously – Everyone is probably going to say that Duke is going to move on to the final four. So I'm going to change it up a little bit. If you don't have Duke, say it. But other than Duke, what is the most likely team to move on to the final four? And then which double-digit seed has the most likely, uh, makes the most likely run? I'm going to say that Yale... 
Yale, just because Will Wade is not coaching right now, I think Yale is is set up to maybe make a little bit of a run. Um, obviously, that the winner of that playing game between Belmont and Temple could easily beat Maryland and make a run to the Sweet 16, but I'm going to stick with Yale for right now. They'd have to play one fewer game, which, which makes me a little bit more faithful that they could make a run. And most likely team other than Duke to make it to the Final Four. I, I I like that Virginia Tech team. I think I like what Buzz Buzz Williams has done with them, considering some of the injuries they've had. Um, if Duke doesn't make it, I fully expect it to be Virginia Tech. Uh, Brian, who do you have? Duke will make it, but if they do not, LSU I think is most likely to. I know the whole Will Wade stuff is certainly going to be a factor, but I think they just have to get past that first game against Yale because Yale's a really, really good team. LSU's roster isn't full strength, is at full strength right now. They're not holding out Javante Smart anymore. He's playing. That makes a big difference for them, I think. One of the best rebounding teams in the in the country, big, long, athletic, great guard in Tremont Waters. I think they get by Yale. They'll get by. Uh, I think Belmont will beat Maryland. I think Belmont's the double-digit seed. Belmont or Temple, technically, but I think Belmont will win that game. I think Belmont has the best chance of a double-digit seed to win a couple games. Uh, I only think it'll be Maryland, but by virtue of, of that, I think they have the best chance. Um, and then LSU, and then Michigan State, I think, is too hurt. Uh, so I, I would go with LSU. Tristan? Yeah, I, I'll say this. I don't think we should cash Duke's ticket to the Final Four yet. I believe we said this a couple of years ago before a team named South Carolina took them out. And there's a team that reminds me a little bit of the Mississippi State, who has great size, great physicality, uh, a lot of veteran leaders. I think they could give Duke a very tough fight in the Sweet 16. But uh, that would be the one team that I think Duke should fear the most. Uh, as far as the rest of the bracket, I like Maryland from a talent standpoint to make a run to the Elite Eight. I'm worried about so I'm worried about LSU's mindset. I'm worried about Michigan State's health. And I think when they're playing well, Maryland is one of the top 15 teams in the country. So I would I would like them to make it to the Elite Eight. But, yeah, I think I, I would rather just watch it happen rather than predict Duke losing. And, Anthony, wrap it up for us. All right. Well, um, coming out of the East region, I like Duke to go all the way. Um, but as far as the um, other singular seed, I feel like Virginia Tech has a good chance to make, if not the Sweet 16, definitely the Elite Eight. Maryland could make the Sweet 16, but it, but again, it'll all just depend on, you know, if they're, you know, focused, if they, you know, can take care of the basketball because turnovers are their biggest, you know, character flaw, I guess you could say. But Duke is definitely going. I like Virginia Tech. I like what Buzz Williams is doing down there. Um, they're a really solid team. Um, and yeah, I I think, um, you know, St. Louis is a good pick if they can give Virginia Tech um, a good fight. You know, I think they could make a run as well. 
Yeah. So I think our top two or the coming out of the East and the South are pretty much the same. Um, Duke, Virginia seems to be the, the common picks. We were split 50, 50 in that West region, Gonzaga and Texas tech. And then there are quite a few different picks out of that Midwest region, which I think is the most wide open. Uh, if UNC were to lose for, for anyone to take, um, so who do we have in the championship and as the champion? I am going to pick Duke over Kentucky. Duke is going to be cutting down the nets in April. Uh, but I think Kentucky, I think Tyler Harrow might have one of those games against Virginia, um, putting them into the national championship game against Duke. I just don't think anyone's beating Duke this tournament. Brian, who do you have as your championship and the champion? I don't think anybody's going to beat Duke except for North Carolina because they're going to play in the national championship game. It's going to break the internet. It's going to be awesome. But I, I think UNC wins that game, even though Zion Williamson's healthy. I, I just like the way they're playing right now. Um, so, yeah, I'll go UNC over Duke in the title game. Tristan? There's, I think all season there's been about a good seven or eight teams that separate themselves from the field. And usually when that happens, that means all hell's going to break loose. And I have that happening. I have uh, Florida State uh, upsetting uh, Duke in the semifinals, and they will take on Virginia, who will, who will defeat Auburn. And in the end, I do have Virginia winning it all. Wow. Virginia going from worst upset in the NCAA tournament <laughs> to, to champion in just a year. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. Anthony, who do you have in your championship game and who do you have winning it all? Um, Honestly, I like the Duke UNC matchup. Duke is very talented, but they haven't, <laughs> it's like, what they <laughs> but they haven't, they haven't beat North Carolina at full strength. It's like even with Zion Williamson coming back, he was relatively healthy, but they haven't beat North Carolina. North Carolina is a deep team. Um, I love Luke May. I love um, uh, what's the other what's the other guard's name? He's a Kobe freshman. White. Kobe White. Kobe White is a baller. I I like you know the way um, UNC plays. So. Um, yeah, I would love to see this final. I would love to see this championship matchup, rather. And UNC takes it, I feel like, by at least five points. If UNC beat this Duke team, it would it would give a whole new dimension to that rivalry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they would have bragging rights for quite a while. As great as that rivalry is, they've never played each other in the NCAA tournament at any stretch. Not even like for, not even um, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. They they haven't met at all. So this would certainly add a a new dimension to it and make it even better. Yeah, especially if it's for the national championship. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tristan, Anthony, any parting thoughts? Um, I'm just looking forward to you know a great tournament. Uh, like I said, I I like the South region. Um, you know, I think they're going to give – the South region is going to give, you know, viewers um, some really good games to watch. 
Um, Gonzaga, I think, is in a is in a region where they don't have the easiest path. So I'd be interested to see how you know Gonzaga can maneuver somebody like a Syracuse or you know whoever they play. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how um, the tournament shakes out. But I do feel like at least two ACC teams are going to be in the Final Four. Yeah, uh, I think first thought is there was a lot of talk about how good the eight and nine seeds would be when we looked at the beginning stage of the bubble. I honestly don't see any of them putting on much of a fight against the one seed. So I think you're going to see chalk there. Uh, I think what makes, you know, that region of death in the West Oregon Zag is that just about every team in that conference was the best in their respective leagues and have 27 plus wins. That's brutal for them. But I also think that it also has a possibility where, you know, Nevada can beat Michigan. I think uh, Texas Tech could possibly lose to Buffalo. So there's a possibility that, you know, Gonzaga, just like two years ago, could just see everything, you know, come to place for them. As far as the other brackets, I think Duke has an easier route. I think matchup-wise, Virginia has the easy route. And North Carolina, you know, they have another tough route as well. But no matter what, there's a good chance we're all going to be 90% wrong. Yeah. Brian, what's your uh, final final impressions heading into the NCAA tournament? I think we'll see a good deal of upsets early on this weekend, the first weekend, but I don't think we're going to see any long-standing Cinderella's. I, I think one of the things that showed itself all season was that there is a clear top tier of teams in the country, and the rest of them are pretty balanced, which is why I think we'll get those upsets, but the top tier separated themselves, and so we'll see that later on when it gets pretty chalky around this, the Elite Eight Final Four, but early on, there's going to be a good deal of upsets. Right. I just want to let people know, thank you guys for tuning in to the Busting Brackets podcast every week. We will continue to have episodes every week throughout the NCAA tournament. Uh, so we'll have our next episode next Monday um, or Monday or Tuesday. And we will keep you guys updated on what's been happening. Uh, re resetting the field every week so that you guys can get a sense of which games to watch heading into the sweet 16 elite eight. And then obviously into the final four and championship game. This is going to be a great tournament. Hopefully one of our listeners gets that perfect bracket as hard as it is to do. And let's just watch some fantastic basketball because in just, just under a month, there's not going to be any more basketball and we're going to have to wait another six, seven months until we get more. So let's just enjoy this. I'm Connor Hope for my co-host, Brian Ralph. Thank you to Anthony Brown and Tristan Freeman for joining us on this podcast, and we'll see you next week.